This is Status, a show about the people we love, the places we come from, and where those two things intersect. My name is Matt Horton, and every episode I'll be talking to two people whose relationship has been affected by immigration in one way or another. For this first episode, I spoke to one of the couples who inspired me to get this project off the ground. We'll call them Kate and Nathan for the purposes of the episode. Kate's from California and Nathan's from Stockholm. The two are ridiculously smart and they probably could both be models. Just an FYI, at Kate and Nathan's request, I've removed a few small details from the episode. So if you think you missed a word or that your audio skipped or something, it's probably just me inserting some silence where a word might be. Anyway, let's get started. So when I met him, at first I thought he was American because he had a Timbuktu bag. And so I assumed he was from San Francisco. He also looked like a surfer boy a little bit. Um, but then he spoke perfect French, so I was like, there's no way this kid is American. We met in, in France on an exchange program. Let's see, we were both doing a year abroad in Paris. And we met on a surfing trip in Biarritz, in the south. Went back to the city, you know, and I, I didn't see him for a while, but ran into him at a friend's birthday party a couple weeks later, and that's when we started... I don't know, like... And, you know, had this little um, puppy love period. And, and I remember bringing her to the airport and, and helping her clean up her apartment that she was leaving um, and thinking, you know, this is it. And when we left, I thought I was, like, never going to see him again because he's from Sweden, right? And so I was like, that's a bummer. This guy's really cool. Shame that that is clearly not going to work out. But then... But then, kind of just organically, like, I had this, this, this coupon for, like, a flight that I had won years ago at that point. You were where? I was still finishing my last year at UPenn. So I was in Philadelphia, and he was in Stockholm. And I was like, wait, that's exactly like a flight to Philadelphia. This is perfect. And so he visited me in Philadelphia, and then I visited him in Stockholm... And then he went to Ethiopia for a project, and I visited him there. Sorry, not Ethiopia, Ghana. Kate and Nathan did this for a while, but they knew they'd eventually have to figure out something else. Like, I decided I I would move to Sweden. At first, I didn't want to move to Sweden because I was like, I'm not going to be a girl who moves to a place for a guy. That's stupid. And then I realized, crap, what a great opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I just go home, and then I'm where I started anyways. When was the first time that you realized you were going to have to think about immigration? Let's see. In December of my senior year, I was, like, applying for jobs and stuff. And there was a job that, you know, seemed pretty up my alley. They had six weeks of paid vacation. And, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, I could go visit him during that time. And then, you know, the second thought was immediately, like, clearly that's not a good long-term solution. But I, like, kind of went down the... You know, I applied for that job, got the last round, and then got rejected. And then I was like, shit. And, you know, once told me that they do have an abundance of avocados in Stockholm. Avocados. Swedes really love their avocados. So there's, like, always avocados in the grocery store. I don't know where they get them from. Like, Israel, maybe? I don't know. But they're always there, and it's great. So once I kind of got rejected from that job, and then it was clear that there were avocados in Sweden, it stopped being such a crazy idea. Um, for me to maybe move there for a time with the idea that, you know, at some point maybe we'd come back to the States. So we did that, 
I moved there and then it was stressful. I didn't have a job for a bit, but I had like a long-standing interview set up. I ended up getting that job, which was really lucky and really, really well suited actually to kind of what I was set up to do, at least from my education and, you know, lined up with my interests really well. And so I, I did really well at that job. I really enjoyed it. And at a certain point was like, okay, I'm kind of, I've stopped learning stuff. Let's go back to school. Our idea was, which was hilarious in retrospect, we'll just apply to schools in the same four cities. But then, of course, he gets into the University of Maryland, which is awesome. And then I get in here, which is just awesome. And for a second there, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but then we both ended up here. So that was that was good. And then and like always kind of, I guess, in the back of our heads. I don't know. I guess at some point we have to deal with the visa issue. Like, but, you know, kind of kick that can down the road. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So Kate and Nathan headed back to the States for school. Kate mentioned what she called the visa issue. To understand the visa issue, you need to know that Nathan was able to go back to school because of an exchange program grant. But one of the stipulations was that he'd have to travel to the States on a J-1 student visa. The catch with a J-1 is that you're required to go home for two years after you finish school. You have to fulfill that two-year requirement before you can apply for anything other than a tourist visa to re-enter the U.S. And any time you're not in your home country doesn't count against your two years. So there's no straightforward way around the two-year requirement. You can't get married to a U.S. citizen or get a work visa or anything for two years. You have to go home. But as Kate and Nathan would find out, it's not as simple as they'd originally been led to believe. They tell you, listen, there's this two-year requirement. And and they tell you, wait, but there's ways around it, probably. And, and we've had people get around it. And, and there's always a way. And no, it's not just specifically your home country you have to go to, just as long as you stay outside of the States. And then I walk around and I'm like, wait, that's not the case. What Nathan means is that it's actually really unlikely that you'll be able to get around the home requirement. And what's more is that he got the impression that even asking questions could lead to problems with future visa applications. Even worse, he was getting different answers from different people regarding the details of the home requirement. I hated making these phone calls of asking and trying to ask, hey, please don't put this in my file, but I just want to know what the thing is. And they'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, so you want to stay. Oh, so you don't want to fulfill your, your duties as this exchange student. And it's like, no, I, I, I just want the information. But because I'm so eager to please or something, I've, I'm like, oh, no, maybe I'm the worst person ever for asking these questions. But then I turn around and I feel like I'm, being a horrible person to um, to my girlfriend for not letting her know what the deal is and not having clarity of like, listen, this is what we can do and this is what we can't do. All I want is clarity and to feel like what I was told early on that I can follow up on that. Nathan explains his confusion like this. The recycling stations here on campus are that you have these three boxes, right? And one is, you know, this kind of plastic, this type of glass, boxes, it's metal, and the other one is like a different type of plastic, and a different type, and it's really unclear where anything goes. You never walk away feeling like, I did that the right way, I recycled. You always feel like, ugh, I probably put that in the wrong way. Maybe that's even worse than me not recycling in the first place. If the rules were really clear, like, 
plastic goes here, metal goes here, glass goes here, then I would walk away feeling, you know, I, I did it I did it the right way and I could walk away with a clear conscience. The problem I have with the immigration system here is that you're in that first category. There's a lot of bendable rules, it seems like, and ambiguity built into the system. And people aren't necessarily comfortable answering questions. And so you f- walk away feeling like, I, I'm not sure exactly what following the rules mean and what not following the rules does mean. You don't. You walk away from that recycling station feeling like, I'm not sure I have all the information to make a good decision. And I'm not sure I have the right information to make the State Department happy or, or whatnot. My program is a two-year program, but I had a one-year student visa. So what that meant was that after my first academic year, I had to go back home and renew this visa. So get a new visa so I could just come back to the States and just finish my studies. Unless you or someone you know tried to get a visa during the summer of 2015, you probably didn't hear about the massive computer glitch that basically halted the visa application process in the United States. Because of this, the 50,000 visa applications that the State Department receives per day were just piling up. And this is when Nathan went back home to get his new visa. If he stayed in Sweden, it would be weeks before he'd be able to get back to the States. He decided to head back to the States on a tourist visa temporarily to let his research partners know what was going on, and then head up to Canada to sort his visa problems out there. He spent weeks in Montreal bussing back and forth to the embassy every day, waiting for his visa to come in. At the embassy, one of the employees asked what he was doing after graduation. And like, I'm in a sense, like he's the person I cannot tell, oh, I'm still working on it. It's like, oh, and basically what I should tell him is like, I'm going back home to fulfill my duties and to spread uh, international understanding and community. Uh, and I'm definitely doing that for my whole life. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, I was like, well, I'm going home. I, I basically also have to, but yeah, I'm going home. Um, and he was like, oh, really? Like, no, there's always ways. Like, there's always, there's always loopholes like there's always a way to do it like you should you should uh there's probably you could stay if you'd want to i mean like you could probably find some some you know good opportunities here and this guy tells me that and so and at that point i had gotten the clarity like it's almost like he was a super nice guy but at that point i had a sense like i have to go back right and that told me the other way around and then i've talked to other people who would have that thing too it's like oh no there's totally these ways but then you tell, talk to other people from the program and they're like, no, like you, there's, n- there's no leeway. And then it turns out there is. And the reason why people say conflicting information is because the reality is conflicting. But I'm not going to get that information. It's not there. It's a gray zone. Like it's, there, I, don't, I now believe that I, I, I could spend a year full time looking into this. I would, still wouldn't get like clarity. Like, in no way am I the person that's worse off, right? I am incredibly lucky. I'm incredibly lucky to have all these resources, to be at a university where there's some people at least who can answer my questions and who, who, who I can talk to and who know much more about this. But to some extent, it feels to me like the only way to do this the right way is to talk to a lawyer. Like, how expensive is it? Like, that's, 
hundreds and hundreds of dollars at a minimum. When I meet people who say, you know, I'm fine with immigration, we just can't have all these people forcing their way into it, they should be following these legal processes to become American citizen. I've gotten this window into how complicated and ambiguous those legal processes are. At this point, you may be wondering, if it's this difficult to stick around in the States, why don't Kate and Nathan just move back to Stockholm for two years? Honestly, like, and don't tell my parents this, but honestly, I would, you know, I prefer living in Stockholm. Like, it's a nicer place to be. It's a, it's a lot, I don't know, yeah. Like, if you compare Stockholm and San Francisco, right, like, they both have the culture thing going on. They both have great food. Definitely beer costs more in Stockholm if you go to a bar. But at the same time, like, they take care of everyone, so there's, like, no homeless people on the street because they're all, you know, they all get unemployment insurance and, like, they have shelters and stuff. It's just, I don't know, it's just, like, a lot less stressful. Um, and there's a good startup scene there. And we both speak the language, and his family's there. They have, like, a really strong kind of... They're a really close-knit bunch, so it's really nice to be around them and, like, be close to them. So we figured might as well, like, bite the bullet and get it over with. Go live in Europe or somewhere. Dude, I don't mind moving to Stockholm long-term, like, having that be the game plan. But he's less excited about it because it's not an adventure. This makes sense to me. If you've ever moved back home temporarily or gone back to an old boyfriend or even tried on pants you haven't worn in five years, you might understand what it's like to go back to something you've outgrown. Sure, it can be comfortable returning to the thing you know, but it can also be hell to know that there's something beautiful and new right around the corner. His thing is kind of, you know, whenever we go hiking, for example, like he doesn't want to go back on the same trail that we went out on. Like he only wants to do loops because otherwise he's already seen it, you know? Um, so for him, like he, I don't think he wants to go back to Stockholm because, you know, he's already seen it. I would like to keep moving forward, right? That's the way I, I prefer things. Like if there's one thing I know I want to do next, is it, it, then that is to kind of try something new and, and be somewhere new. Um, and so just specifically going back to my small home country uh, feels a little restrictive. I've built a network here. Like I've, I have contacts and friends and, and opportunities here that I just don't have back home. And so, of course, it hurts to just pack up and leave. Of course. Like that's, that's, not, um, that's not easy. Some days, like yesterday, I had a moment where I, like, I came out of this like, great. I had three meetings in a row, but like, with really interesting people. And I learned a lot. And, and it was just like good energy. And I felt like I was building things, and um, it's beautiful. You walk out, and it's beautiful, and, and it just kind of gives your energy. And I'm like, man, like, why am I not... Like, I have to leave here in no time now. It's eight weeks or something. At eight weeks left, Nathan still didn't have clear answers as to what was next for him and Kate. I had, a couple of days ago, <laughs> no, a week ago or something, I talked to a friend who's also in the program, he was mentioning like, oh yeah, I kind of actually decided that I'm going to try to stay here for uh, on this like short extension program. And so he was trying to find places where he could work 
uh, to do that extension. And I had a thought of like, well, and I'm also legible for this extension, even though it's short and it's a whole process as well. So I was like, I told Kate, you know, this is our kind of last chance to, if you, if you, if you actually do want to stay, even if it's just a short amount of time, I can probably still make that happen. And she got pissed at me. She got really, really pissed at me because it was like, wait, like, why are we having this discussion now? We should have had this discussion eight months ago. Like, people tell me, like, oh, but you're missing out on all the opportunities here. Like, I don't want to subject us to that. It's been frustrating for me because there almost hasn't been a clear turning point. Like, if it was a clear, you know, no, we can't stay, then that's easy. Then we, you know, then it's like, okay, cool, where else can we go? But the whole time it's been like, ah, maybe we could. You know, maybe a year from now, she'll look at, like, we'll have a discussion, and she'll be like, well, if it wasn't for you, I'd be product manager at, I don't know, like, whatever. And I would make, I'll be making, I don't know how many K you make a month doing that, right? Like, and that's not going to be our future, which I think we're both fine with, right? But, but... It's just like that, that's, or even just like not even like money in terms of like, I'd be in that position to pursue my dreams or whatever they are at that point. Kate is concerned about Nathan's well being just as much as he is hers. I think a lot of it's just that it's so hard to stay here. Like, even if it was possible, I mean, <laughs> I spent the better part of last summer just trying to like continue to have a visa that he has. Um, and that it's just been incredibly draining when he has like so many other projects going on. And I think he really does like need a break. He's sort of been running at 200% since high school. Like two undergraduate degrees at the same time. Like all that all that stuff. So I think and you know, it's kind of one of these times now that we can do that and it's not like so bad on a resume. <laughs> Like, you kind of don't get many opportunities, you know, either, like, maybe for a honeymoon or, like, you both get fired at the same time or something. But it's kind of like, you know, we don't have a mortgage. We don't have a, we don't, we don't have car payments. You know, we don't have that kind of stuff acting as roots. So we can just sort of pick up and explore now. Um so it's a combination of like it's hard to stay here and it makes sense to travel now. Um, so I think that's our game plan for the next little bit. And then set up shop somewhere else and wait out the two-year home requirement. Um, and then maybe come back. I don't know. Kate and Nathan went back to Stockholm a few weeks ago. Kate recently posted a picture of a sunset over the city and the water. It's beautiful. She's captioned it. We made it. Man, I miss these sunsets. With a hard eyes emoji.
Thanks for listening to the first episode of Status. I can't make any promises as to when I'll have a new episode ready, but stay subscribed, tell your friends, and I promise I'll be back. Status is produced by me, Matt Horton. Music was provided by Wavy.audio, Tyler Van Arsdale, and Ben Mitchell. The Status theme song is Bread and Circuses Are Back by Ben Mitchell. You can find the show on Twitter at Status Podcast and me at Matt A. Horton. Thank you so much for listening.